0: The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. Let's take our Bibles and let's go to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I like the song that uh, Caleb just picked out, In times like these, and we are seeing times like we've never seen before, but God never changes, amen? Amen. He never changes, and He never will change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and you can count on Him, you can rest in Him, and know that God will always do what's right, what's good, and what's best for each of us. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not on the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. May God add His blessing to the reading of His Word. Let's pray. Father. Thank you for this text, and Lord, as we look at it tonight, may our hearts be encouraged. The afflictions of the child of God are many, and Lord, in times of afflictions, there's time our heart gets discouraged, and sometimes we even uh, question God as to what's going on. And Lord, sometimes Christians even turn on you and get angry with you. So Lord, help us to understand the role that afflictions play in our lives as believers what their purpose is, what they are, and what you're doing through those things. So Lord, lead us here tonight and give us understanding of your word through your Holy Spirit. And we'll thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Affliction. Paul calls it a light affliction. No matter what the affliction is, a light affliction. Affliction is not a word we like to hear, right? Because when we think of affliction, it usually has a negative connotation to it. Uh, Besides that, when we think of affliction, we think of suffering. And who wants to suffer? Well, do you know that's part of your Christian life? Suffering is part of your life. What did Paul say? He said um, that I might know him, the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his Sufferings, sufferings. So, Paul is saying here, when it comes to these afflictions, there is a positive side to them. There's always a positive side. We tend to think negatively about them, but God has a positive side to these afflictions that come our way. So, he's encouraging us in the process to not faint. Verse 16, for which cause we faint not. Faint. We'll look at that in just a few moments. Uh, What we have to do, folks, as Christians, is keep a right perspective on afflictions. What's going on in our life? Because oftentimes we don't understand what's going on. We don't know why it came. We don't know where we're going in all of this. We don't know what the outcome is going to be. That's why you trust God through the affliction, because He knows. He sees the whole picture. He sees what's coming. He sees what you're going to go through. He sees what the outcome will be. And it will always be better for you and good for each of us when we get through an affliction when it comes. So what are afflictions? What are these afflictions? The word itself, what does it mean? The word that Paul is using here, the idea of this word is persecution or suffering. The idea of pressure brought on to bear on us. And who likes pressure? Some of you guys work in jobs where You get under pressure. You get under stress. Uh, It happens in ministry as well. And the idea of this word is like being in a narrow place where you're hemmed in and there's no way to escape. Been there? It's like being hemmed in and everywhere you look, there's no way out. You can't get out of it. And oftentimes when the afflictions come, that's exactly how you feel. But internal, it's also not just external, coming from people, circumstances. It's also internal. It can be stress, consternation, uh, internal pressure. I'm sure you never had that, right? It f- affects your heart. It affects your inwards, your emotions. And it does a lot of things too. It affects your stomach. Uh, how many have ever had reflux? How many would like to have reflux? <laughs> if you don't know what it is, pray you don't get it. Uh, that's the acid coming out of your stomach, up your esophagus, and clear up to your throat. And that's not fun, and it's not good. And I know a preacher we had here years ago, it actually messed his vocal cords up, changed his voice, and uh, preached him with a strain. But specifically... Specifically, afflictions. Actively, it's that which causes or tends to cause bodily pain and even mental distress. Deuteronomy 16, verse 3. Moses is going back and and showing Israel what happened when they came out of Egypt. That was quite an affliction. They were in bondage but just getting out of Egypt, then getting into the desert, the wilderness. No water, no food, and the stress they were under. And uh, Paul, uh, or uh, the writer back there, Moses, reminds them and calls that the bread of affliction. The bread of affliction. Yes, they were provided bread, but it it was in the midst of affliction. You know, they cried out to God. And then, of course, they got tired of that bread, didn't they? The manna? They got tired of it. Well, how would you like to eat the same meal 38 years in a row? You know what you're going to have, and you don't have to worry about what to fix, what to make, you know? But uh, 2 Chronicles 18.26, when we look at that text, that's that's Ahab and the prophet Micaiah. When... uh, uh, Jehoshaphat came up and joined forces with Ahab. They were going to go out and uh, take on S- Syria. Okay. And uh, Ahab gets his false prophets together, the prophets of Baal, and says, okay, how's this out- what's the outcome of this going to be? Oh, it's going to be great. You're going to win. Everything's going to be wonderful. You're going to turn out it's going to be, you're going to love this. And he said, uh, Jehoshaphat said, hey, just a minute here. Is there any prophets of God around? And old oh, Ahab says, Well, yeah, there's one. I hate him. He never prophesies anything good about us. Old Micaiah. Well, get him. All right. So they bring Micaiah, and the prophets go to get Micaiah. And he said, Now, look, we've been prophesying good about this, so you need to be on the positive side of this thing. He said, I'll speak whatever God gives me to speak. So they go. So Ahab says to Micaiah, Micaiah! How's it going to turn out? He said, you're going to win. You're going to win. He says, I told you to always tell me what God says. What a hypocrite. So he says, well, here's what the outcome is going to be. You're going to die. You're not going to make it through this battle. You're going to lose. I told you every time he prophesies, it's on the negative side. Take him back. Put him in prison and feed him the bread and water of affliction. Yes, I'm sure Micaiah was thinking, hmm, when the king gets back, he's probably going to have my head. But I told him he's not coming back because that was the word of God. And sure enough, he didn't. If you've read that story, there was a soldier who shot an arrow into the air and it found the crevice in the armor of Ahab and went right into the crevice between where it went together and nailed him. He stayed up the rest of the day, but he died that evening. He bled to death. So, but Micaiah had to be put in prison and eat the bread and drink the water of affliction, it says. So that's active, but passively, passively affliction is a state of being in pain or in trouble. James one twenty seven talks about the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. Who's taking care of them? Where do they turn? How are they fed? How do they live? Afflictions. It takes a lot of of different uh, uh, kinds of afflictions. It's external pressure. It can be external pressure. People can cause you a lot of affliction, can't they? On the job, they can give you a rough time if you're working out in the world. Circumstances that arise that just tear you up. And as you're going through certain circumstances, it's trying and and you fret and you stew and you're under stress, and how can I get through this? How can I resolve this? Afflictions. Well, what are the forms of affliction? Well, let's just talk about a few. Let's talk about individual afflictions first. There's sickness. How many of you have been sick this year or last year? How many of you have had the blessing of having COVID? Not much of a blessing, but we've had it. The blessing is when you get through it and get over it, and you survive it. My wife and I are survivors, even at our age. We have survived. God has kept us alive. Uh, There's disease. You go to the doctor and you get those dire words. Uh, Sir, I hate to tell you this, but... Uh, You have cancer, and your cancer is the kind that spreads quickly, and most don't survive this. That's encouraging words, amen? That's affliction. Then there's the affliction of poverty. Folks, we talk about poverty in America. Unless you've been to a third world country, you've never seen poverty. You've never seen it. I've been to India. I've been to the Philippines. I've been to Africa. And you talk about poverty. In India, in particular, people who get up in the morning and are living in a tent or a cardboard box, whatever, just some kind of shelter, who would go to the main water line, which was above ground, about a six-foot diameter pipe. There would be a spigot. They could turn that spigot on and take wash up and freshen up for the day. Their activity was find something to eat for them and their family. Just find something, if they could get a job, work, whatever, just to survive, my friend. That's poverty. They have nothing. There's the affliction of oppression, especially the oppression of the weak by those who are stronger, the rich with the poor, and oppressing them. There's the Affliction of perverted justice. I've been involved in some of the things that have gone on here in town. And uh, the thing that distresses me about our justice system is it used to be you were innocent till proven guilty. But that has changed. You're guilty until proven innocent. If you're ever proven innocent. And I've seen what they'll do. They offer a plea deal plea bargain for somebody it's not about finding out the truth and who's innocent and who's guilty it's just about getting it over with and i know a guy he said i'm not taking a plea bargain i want a jury trial well he's spending a number of years in prison right now because he wouldn't accept the plea bargain well if you accept it you're admitting guilt so there's that perverted justice. There's the affliction of mockings and scornings as the Lord Jesus went through. Mocked and scorned and derided. Christians are treated that way as well. There's the affliction of out-and-out persecution. It can be verbal. It can be physical. Afflictions. There's all kinds of individual afflictions. But then there's the national affliction. The Bible talks about uh, the evil that God brings, that word evil simply means calamity, calamity. You read the Old Testament, the calamities of the Old Testament over and over again, wars, conquests, exiles, all kinds of afflictions that people had to go through, suffering of all sorts. And one of them in the New Testament in our days has been primarily after the Roman Empire collapsed and when uh, Constantine finally declared Christianity an acceptable religion, acknowledged by the state, which by the way was, the, was a, a not a positive for the church, it was a negative, but the chief form due to fierce antagonism Christianity that's been going on for a long time and listen it's in this country and it's not getting better it's getting worse antagonism because you have the audacity to believe the Bible and to believe there's a God in heaven that created and you dare to believe that and to some that's the height of ignorance because you don't believe what they teach, and what they uh, their theories that they uh, promulgate us with. But why do we go through afflictions? Why does God allow this? Why does He put us through afflictions? Well, let me give you some reasons. First of all, First Thessalonians 3.3. Look at it. I get quoted, but let's look at it. First Thessalonians chapter three and verse three. I hope you don't get too down in this message. We'll try to get it picked up here in a little bit. But I'm just giving you the facts here, folks. This is the way it is, okay? But look at chapter 3, verse 3. This ought to encourage your heart. That no man should be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that you are what? Appointed thereto. (laughs) That encourage your heart? (laughs) We have an appointment with afflictions. You're saved, you know Christ is Savior, you have an appointment with afflictions. It's not if, it's when. We don't know how often. We don't know from where or when, how bad or how good, how light they might be. But they're coming. Now, why does God do it? Well, first of all, for punitive reasons, retribution, punishment in other words. For instance, you have the Corinthian believers in the church at Corinth and they were sinning against God they were allowing sin in the church for which Paul wrote 1 Corinthians and they were going to the Lord's table with unconfessed sin with pride in their hearts because they were putting up with it and tolerating it they were not intolerant of it and Paul said for that reason some of you are sickly and some of you he said sleep that was the finality of it That was death. So punitive measures, retribution by God. But secondly, secondly, there's the probational affliction. What's that all about? Job. Job. Job was having his his faith put to the test because of the accusation of the devil. And Job was suffering affliction. He didn't know why. He didn't know what was going on up in heaven that Satan had gone before God and pointed a finger at that man down there and said, that Job, the only reason he's serving you is because you've got him hedged in, you've blessed him, and I can't get to him. But I'll tell you what, God, you take what he's got and he'll curse you to your face. And God said, okay, you can take everything he's got, but you can't touch him. And in one day, folks, just one day, this man loses everything he's got but his dear, loving, supportive wife, <laughs> if you believe that. And she has the audacity to look at him and say, why don't you just curse God and die? That's a loving wife, amen? <laughs> Somebody who really cares for you. Uh, well, she got, he got her back. She had to have 10 more children. She had 10, remember lost and she had to go through it ten more times (laughs) so he got his revenge on her but anyway the probational affliction testing and proving your faith but then there's the disciplinary affliction David David was living with unconfessed sin what was God doing with him he wasn't trying to destroy David but David was suffering He was going through, read Psalm 32, and and he'll tell you what he was going through. He said the, the moisture in his body was drying up. He just felt like he was under intense pressure because God was afflicting him in his sin, disciplining him for one reason, and that was to bring him back, restoration. Folks, let me say something. I just taught a course on church politics. We covered the subject of church discipline. What is its point? Well, the point of church discipline is to purify, keep the church of Jesus Christ pure. And sometimes it means some people have to be disciplined out if they will not confess and get their sin right and do right. But why does God command that? It's not for anybody's destruction. It's for their restoration. The object of discipline is not not just get rid of somebody and pray that God takes them away. It is so they will be restored. That's what God wants, amen? He's not willing any should perish. He's not out to do you in, but He does want obedience because that's the best thing for us. So there's the disciplinary. Then there's the purificatory, purifying us. Just purifying us of the sin and the things in our lives that need to be gotten out. Remember what Job said? When he has tried me, I will come forth as gold, purifying us. And then last of all, There's the spiritual growing and maturing that affliction aids as we learn to trust God in the midst of it and even thank him for them, right? In everything, give thanks. Everything, including afflictions. Thank you, Lord, for bringing me through that. Now let's go back to our verse in 2 Corinthians 4 because I want to I look at this with you. And let's look at the context of it first. The verse is 17. Uh, for the, our light affliction, Paul, sa- Paul says. But let's go back to verse uh, 15 first of all. And uh, well, let's go back, clear to back to 8 and 9 where Paul is bringing up some of what he experienced as a believer, as a Christian, as a preacher. He said in verse 8, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are cast down, but not destroyed. So what is he saying? Well, that first phrase he says, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. The idea of that trouble trouble is pressure. He said we're pressured on every side, but we are not restrained. Secondly, he says, we are perplexed, but not in despair. The idea of perplexity is baffled. Ever been baffled with something? Trying to figure out what's going on? What's happening? What does this mean? He said we're baffled, but not in despair. We haven't given up. And then he says, we're persecuted. And oh, he was. Stoned, left for dead, beaten. He went through a lot, folks. He said, persecuted, but not forsaken. And then he said, cast down. The idea of that cast down literally means to be knocked down. Knocked down, but not perishing. And he knew what that meant. I'll tell you, the way the Jews treated the Lord Jesus Christ, when they took him into that council room, they took the palm of their hand and they slammed it into the side of his head, the side of his jaw. They rocked him and smacked him and hit him. Paul says, yeah, cast down, knocked down, beat, but not perishing. We're still alive. Now he goes on to say in verse 16, notice what he says. He talks to to them about what, what he was going through. It was for their sakes, verse 15, for all things are for your sakes. I'm doing this for you, okay? That's why I'm going through this, he said. But in verse 16, he said, for which cause we faint not. The idea of this fainting here is to lose courage. He said, we haven't lost our courage. We haven't given up. We haven't thrown in the towel. After going through all of this, I'll tell you, some Christians throw in the towel. They don't like going through afflictions. And they give it up. I don't want to go through any more of this. Well, hey, what you're going to get afterward makes it all worth it. Amen? Makes it all worth it. So he said, look at this, though our outward man perish, may I remind you folks, your outer man is perishing. I know you don't want to hear about it. I just turned 72. I don't think 72, I don't think of myself being 72, of being that old. That's not old, that's 72 years young, Amen. But I feel it at times, the body. It just, <laughs> I've tried to do some things, and I think, oh man, give it up. <laughs> Can't do what I used to do. You guys are still young, enjoy your youth. But when you get older, you have to be careful and conserve your energy. And know how to, to apply the energy when you're able to apply it, where you're able to apply it, and conserve it as much as you can. But he said, your outer man is perishing. And it is, folks. The day's going to come when every last one of us, unless Jesus comes, we're going to die. Just face it. The important thing is being ready for it. Knowing you're right with God and knowing you've been serving God, as we preached on Sunday morning, that you're serving God and doing what God called you to do, what God gifted you to do. And so he says, our outward man perishes, but our inward man, the spiritual man, Our inward man is renewed day by day. The working of the Holy Spirit in your life, in your heart. As he says in chapter 3, go back to chapter 3, verse 18. In verse 17, Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. The Holy Spirit of God is working in us, folks. He's working through us. And He's growing you. He's equipping you. He's enabling you. What you and I need to do is every day is yield to Him and ask for His filling. And if you ask, are you going to get it? Are you convinced of that? You're not going to get some awesome, awesome, a struck emotional feeling if you ask you receive so he's there but what is that feeling it's his controlling so you want him to work through you and give you direction, guidance, enabling, wisdom and all that he gives you and he does but you got to trust him you've got to yield, you've got to surrender and you've got to obey him as he leaves so our inward man is renewed from day to day. Now turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 real quick here. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 11. I want you to see what more Paul went through. He's not finished. As he proceeds in this letter, and by the way, this letter is one of a personal defense of his person as well as of his ministry, because there were those false apostles who claimed to be apostles who were attacking him and trying to undermine and trying to uh, turn the believers away from Paul and what they had been taught. And Paul goes into this in chapter 11, and look at verse 20. First Corinthians 11 and verse 20. And let's see what he went through. He said, For you suffer if a man bring you into bondage, if a man devour you, if a man take of you, if a man exalt himself, if a man smite you on the face, I speak as concerning reproach as though we had been weak. However, how be it, whereinsoever any is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. He's talking about these men who were following him around and uh, trying to influence those converts. He said, Are the Hebrews? So am I. Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequent. In deaths, oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once I was stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day have I been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. In weariness and painfulness and watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. And beside those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. How would you like to have Paul's life? Had he gone through afflictions? Well, the question is what he had not gone through? His life. And why you say he's doing the work of the Lord? Why didn't God? God did bless him. Paul started many churches. Paul won thousands of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul did the work of the ministry, but it cost him. There were those afflictions he endured. Knowing all that, let's go back to our text. This fascinates me. This is the words of this man who's gone through all of these afflictions. And what does he have to say about it? And by the way, the Bible says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but he delivereth them. God delivereth them from them all. There is deliverance. And there is an end. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. That may not be a 24-hour period, by the way. It it might be an age, it might be some time before uh, before the joy, but it will come. The night is when it's dark, the day is when it's light. And so the writer David knew what he was talking about, the afflictions he had gone through. But notice what he says about these afflictions in verse 17. For our light affliction. Let me ask you a question. All those things Paul just described he went through, do you think that was light? I mean stoned and left for dead. Listen, folks, when the Jews stoned somebody, they intended to kill them. And how Paul survived that? There's only one way he could have. If he weren't dead, he had to be very close to it. But to get up and walk away from that was a miracle. God Almighty intervened and raised him up either from the dead or from near death that's the only way it could happen I would have loved to have been back there I wish I had video back then I would have loved to have seen the looks on those guys faces when he came walking back into town (laughs) wouldn't you like to see it those Jews well we're done with him he's gone we got rid of that guy hey is that who I think it is yep Can't keep a good man down, amen, (laughs) if God's with him. And he marches right back into town. But Paul calls this affliction light. Now, folks, get the right perspective on this. Because here's what he's saying. In other words, he's saying it's not heavy. Hughes, in his commentary, says this. Affliction for Jesus' sake, however crushing it may seem, is in fact light a weightless trifle, easy to say after the fact, but when you're going through it, it don't seem like no trifle, does it? But he goes on to say, which is but for a moment, now you ponder that one. That affliction, he said, is light, it's not heavy. And it is, but for a moment. Paul is not downplaying the severity or the suffering of afflictions, but is encouraging us about the end of them, looking back. He said they're, but for a moment, momentary in comparison. What does James say about your life? In 4.4, for what is your life? It is but a what? A vapor. It appears for a little while, and then it's gone. You listen. Your life on earth, in comparison to eternity, my friend, there's no comparison. There is absolutely no comparison. When this is all over and the afflictions are done, the suffering is finished, and we're in heaven, forever, ever, and ever. Never to go through any of that again. Let me ask you a question. What did your Lord go through? What did he have to put up with while he was down here on planet Earth? They hated him. I would have liked to have been there when those men died. And had to go out and face the Lord Jesus Christ. Wouldn't you like to see the look on their faces? When they entered eternity. And there he was. The same one they hated. The same one they denied. The same one they crucified. And wanted him out of their life. And they had to die and face him. Amen? Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. That he is Lord the glory of God the Father. You can't get away from Him. Amen? You can't get away from Him. You can mistreat, you can curse, you can do all you want to do, but you're not going to get away from Him. Momentary. It indicates a short amount of present time, including the idea of temporary till life ends or the Lord comes. Those of us who have gotten older, we look back on our life and say what? You older folks, you say what about your life? Where's it going? It has gone by so fast. I encourage people who have children, enjoy it. Enjoy it. Make the most of it. It'll be over before you know it. And they'll be looking you in the face and soon leaving your home to start a new one, right Dennis? And now you have grandchildren. That's the the blessing of this. But how short it is in comparison. But you know, folks, affliction is rewarded. Affliction is rewarded. Look at it. For it worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. This light affliction, Paul says, it's light. It's momentary, momentary. It's but for a moment. But in comparison, what it's working in you is a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now, this is an interesting phrase. When he says it works a more exceeding, the idea of that phrase is excess to excess. Excess. The idea of it is literally out of all proportion. What is coming? The glory that's following is going to blow your mind in comparison to what you're going through down here on planet earth right now. These afflictions that we would rather go around and go back rather than go through them. But listen to me, you're going to go through them. So be encouraged. The morning will come, and joy will be there. Weeping indoors for a night, joy cometh in the morning. Oh, the psalmist said, I wait for the Lord, and in his word do I hope. I wait for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning, but the morning comes. Amen? Amen? It comes. It will end. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but he delivereth them from them all. It doesn't mean he keeps you from going through it. He brings you through it and delivers you from it. Look at Job. My. You know, it would be nice to know, how long did Job put up with that? 42 chapters. So about 40 or 40, uh, 39 of them is a rough road. So how many years was it? Well, it wasn't years. It was days and weeks. And these three friends, the dear friends of his, they came over to encourage him. Were sure a blessing, weren't they? You know? Man, you suffering like this, you must have been a hypocrite. You know, it catches up with you sooner later, Job. You've sinned, obviously. And you're suffering because of it. And, uh, you know, God's letting you have it now. So they come to the wrong conclusions. Has that ever happened to you? Something terrible's happened in your life as a Christian and people are wondering about you? I wonder what he's done. Oh, I thought he was a really good guy, but man, he must have been doing something wrong, or this surely wouldn't be happening to him, amen? (laughs) Wrong conclusion. Better be careful about that, folks. The devil will put things in your mind and start thinking wrong. That's exactly what happened to Job. So he wasn't only suffering physically, he was suffering emotionally with these guys haranguing him and accusing him. But God says there's a a more, uh, far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory that's coming. Weight and glory come from the same root, by the way. The word weight and glory, same root. So what is he saying? Well, glory is the idea of giving weight or value to, such as glory in God, glorying in your inheritance that is coming. We're going to share in the glory of Christ. And part of that glory is our inheritance that's coming. Oh, friends, listen. What's coming for the believer is beyond your imagination. When we get there, I believe we're going to look back and say, <laughs> you know, that trip down on earth, that wasn't so bad after all, amen? <laughs> oh, yeah, man, I had to go through a few things, but hey, boy, look what we got now. Look at this. Wow. Who would have ever dreamed this is what it would be like? And there's somebody that you're glad to see That's the Father and His Son, the Lord Jesus, who you're going to be with for eternity and and live with Him and serve Him. And what a glory that's going to be. Oh, folks, listen. Yes, we have to go through afflictions. That's part of the lot of the life of a Christian. We have an appointment with Him. God is using those afflictions. Either He allows them, like with Satan and Job, or he brings them. But whatever he's doing, he's doing it for our good, for our development, our faith, our spiritual maturity and growth. And he's working in you and through you to refine you and prepare you. He's changing you into the image of his son. Remember, his son suffered dearly, did he not? We'll never be called upon to suffer like he did on the cross. Aren't you glad? Amen. We'll not be called to suffer like that. So what suffering we go through, Paul says, well, it's just a light affliction. It's momentary, but all the glory that's coming is eternal. So Paul ends it this way in verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And folks, we have to keep a proper perspective on afflictions and not faint, not get discouraged, not quit or give up but trust and be faithful and wait for the end when you go out of that affliction. And I've, I've said before, I hope I learn what the Lord's trying to teach me through these things. <laughs> I don't want to go through some of them again. Amen? <laughs> so uh, I'm a slow learner sometimes. But God's doing something in your life. And He's preparing, He's equipping, He's, he's refining you. And He's making you more and more like your Savior. Until one day, one day, either you're going to die and step into his presence or he's going to come back and call you out of here and you're going to meet him face to face and you're going to be like him for you will see him as he is. Does that excite you? I'll tell you folks, we need to get excited. You know what's going on in our country? Listen. Don't keep your eyesight down here. Be looking where you should be looking. Look up, for your redemption draweth nigh. And be looking for that day when he comes, or we die and leave. And uh, it's all over. As I said before, it could be sooner than we think. And if it is, glory to God. How does, how does uh, uh, John end the book of Revelation? What's he say? Even so, come, Lord Jesus, come. You ready? Are you ready? Are you saved? Are you living your life for Christ or for self? If you're saved and you're living for the Lord Jesus, doing what he's called you to do and preparing, it's just gonna be a natural transition. Amen? But for some Christians, it's going to be a rude awakening. All they're saved, going to heaven, but it's going to be a rude awakening when they leave this life and enter the next one and have to stand before Him. So let's be doing what we ought to do. Let's be faithful. Let's go through these afflictions. Be thankful as we go through them. Let God give you the strength and grace you need to endure them. And when it's all said and done, be grateful, be thankful and keep going. Amen? Father, thank you for this passage, for this message from Paul who suffered dearly. Lord, what things we go through. Help us to keep a right perspective on them, that they're light, they're but for a moment, but all the eternal weight of glory that waits us. Lord, help us to keep looking up. Help us to keep our eyes where they belong, Help us to set our affection where it should be set, on things above, and seeking those things above, as Paul said in Colossians 3. And Lord, be dealing with our body, our our sin down here, and mortifying it, and being faithful to obey your word, to live for you, and to win others to you. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.